Moving Iron Podcast Markets with Chip Nellinger. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Dawson Tire and Wheel, your premier ag tire and wheel provider in North America, helping people grow. Tractor Zoom delivering insights and dry shod boots, the official work boot of the Moving Iron Podcast. Chip is with Blue Reef Agri Marketing out of Morton, Illinois, and he is gracious enough to be on the podcast once a week to talk about what's going on in the markets. And uh, just like usual, Chip, we don't have anything, uh, no lack of things to talk about here. Uh, for about the past three weeks, the markets in general just have been on a tear. Um, corn has been just going through the roof, same with soybeans. Um, you know, the livestock markets have seen their share of, of pretty upward movements. Um, and they've got some, some selling back in, but for the most part, there's a, there's a lot of action out there on the market right now. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's, it's really, uh, a sight to behold, especially in the, in the corn market where, uh, you know, it's not just the futures uh, every day, but it's cash basis levels improving, along with it and um you know the, the crazy thing is this is a big crop um now in fact we're, we're getting an update here in uh, about uh, two weeks uh, a little over two weeks two and a half weeks uh on the november crop report get an update on yields um you know maybe they're coming down a little bit but it's it's still a big corn crop one of the biggest you know uh, uh, one or two um size corn crops we've ever raised and we just rallied right through harvest, and it uh, just seems like we're in that cycle now where every little uh, bit of news that comes out uh, friendly. You know, it seems like mm-hmm. for three-plus years, it was the other way. Every time any news came out, it was negative, and uh, right now, it's all positive. We definitely have the wind at our backs. Uh, tremendous rally that we've seen here across all our, you know, corn, beans, and wheat. Um, I think wheat's at a four-plus year high. Corn's at a couple-year high. Obviously, beans uh, are up here, uh, you know, knocking on the door of $11. Haven't seen that level for a long, long time. And um, demand is there. And, uh, you know, world weather has been a little bit of a <clears throat> an issue. Um, some, some hot spots popping up uh, for wheat with Russia and then out uh, your way in the uh, southern plains. There's been a lot of dry weather. Uh, that might be turning a little bit for the better for uh the plains uh russia's still dry brazil has been super dry but that's starting to turn a little bit uh for the better for those producers as well in the southern hemisphere so we got a lot going on you got the election coming up here and uh you know essentially uh what uh, eight days weeks, now yeah. uh so it's that could have a, a great effect on our financial markets and um you know possibly spill over to uh, our uh, agricultural markets, grain and livestock, both. So there is a lot of stuff going on uh, right now from a demand perspective and a world weather perspective. And throw in there the election and, and then also uh, a crop report coming up here in a couple of weeks as well that uh, throw, throw that into the stew of prices. And uh, it's, been, it's been an incredible run that we've seen here in our markets. Absolutely. So let's talk about uh, South America for a little while because that is the we're in that that time frame where you know they're they're going into planting season and, and they've got their uh, 
they got their harvest uh, coming up here in in January February time frame and, and what that looks like and and that's so that's kind of the the catalyst out there right now for as far as court as far as corn and beans are concerned talk about South America right now and and kind of some of the stuff you see happening there that you know I guess I know they've got some very timely rains like you just talked about um, I guess from your perspective as you look there right now I mean it's awful early to make big overwhelming speculations here but i guess what are your thoughts about south america right now yeah you know i, I think that um it remains to be seen i think that's something that is really going to cause a lot of volatility <clears throat> in uh, our prices here over the next uh, 70 days or so give or take you know say between now and uh, february when when that harvest starts so uh, a couple things that it is uh, looking like um uh, La Nina is going to uh, continue down there and maybe maybe here as well. That trends them towards a warmer, drier weather. They've already started to see that. Their uh, planting pace is probably about uh, two to three weeks delayed. And so then that brings into question, okay, there's the, the second crop of corn that they raise after they harvest beans um, is, a, is a big crop. Will that... Uh, be delayed as well and and will that be affected because they're getting a slow start to their uh, first crop of bean planting here um and they are set they have record prices down there the producers are set to plant a tremendous amount of acres two to three percent more acres down there so if mother nature cooperates and they get the moisture they need they can have a massive crop and and maybe stop the demand that we're seeing dead in its tracks as it shifts down there in January, February, really January through about, uh, you know, uh, April, May timeframe is when they would take over and be the, uh, you know, supplier, the cheapest supplier in the world of beans and possibly even corn in, in some instances. Uh, so how big is your crop size is really going to drive us here. Um, they're getting a little shaky start, but it is starting to turn for the better. And um, they're, they're not as dry. They've caught some timely rains. Their planting pace is picking up. And, and so uh, I think it all goes towards what uh, is their growing season, weather, how big of a crop are they going to produce. And uh, they're on tap if, uh, you know, there's been some private estimates from, from down there uh, of possibly, you know, 130 to 135 million metric ton bean crop. That would be just massive. That would be something to the tune of a couple hundred million bushels uh, greater than they've ever raised down there. It would be bigger than our bean crop um, by a long shot. And so will they achieve that or not is going to probably, you know, give the, the answer to whether beans have to go to 11 and a half or $12 plus, or if we're near the top and they're going to take a dollar and a half out of them because South America is going to have a massive supply of them here in about 90 days. So uh, Mother Nature is going to have the the final say in that here, but uh, that will really cause a lot of potential volatility in our prices here, depending on how their growing season plays out. Yep. Okay. So let's talk about the hog market for a minute. So looking at the hog market and China is rapidly reproducing their, their herd, their hog herd as fast as they can. And there's some estimates and some analysts that are saying that, um, the Chinese have we've peaked. You know they've kind of peaked where their where their uh, buying is going to be at, and then you can start seeing some level of <clears throat> of taper. You know off of that 
off of that number um, as they move forward in, into the export realm. What are your thoughts right about the hog market right now, and and what are your thoughts about that that idea that that we've we've kind of peaked uh, demand with China right now? Well, I don't know if if, if you've seen that just yet. I, I think that's their goal uh, is to rebuild their hog herd and, and become more self-sufficient. I think as it's uh, laid out here and, and proven out, I think that uh, for a lot of reasons, the flooding that they've seen right. uh, there this past uh, summer, um, I think that their crop size probably ended up. Uh, they, they had some dry pockets. They had a lot of uh, insect pressure. Uh, I don't think they had a very good crop. I think they need our products, and I think it is just um, – happen to line up with this trade agreement um because i think with or without the trade agreement they would have been buying a large amount of our products because they need them right now the trade agreement just uh came at the right time for them and helped them out right uh but that is their goal they don't do not want food inflation you're seeing basically record uh, corn prices there i believe it's uh, somewhere north of eight dollars close to nine dollar uh, uh per bushel domestically in china and uh that you know they've taken a huge amount of our pork on a weekly basis, massive amounts of U.S. pork we've sold to China in the interim as they try to rebuild that hog herd. That's part of the um, emphasis behind this massive uh, bean buying is, um, you know, because as they rebuild the hog uh, herd, uh, it takes uh, a large amount of meal. And uh, so they're, they're ramping up and their crush facilities are, are crushing uh, for the meal. So I, I think it's, it's probably not a quick solution there. I think that's probably the path they're headed. They they want that domestically. Um, they'd be silly not to because they don't want food inflation um, in a you know communist country. That's the that's the very first thing that gets um, you, you know a revolution type uh, issue started or a transfer of uh, of uh, the old government to a new government, and that's not what they want. Uh, they want to keep their people. Uh, fed and have plenty of food and uh so it's good for us right now but uh, yeah absolutely at some point there will be a peak in this and we probably won't know till after the fact but some of that's going to be determined you know about uh february time frame give or take a couple weeks on either side if they continue to just keep buying from us as they shift that demand to south america uh that's something that could be uh really uh beneficial to our prices um, if they just turn the lights off on us and everything is going to be bought from the Southern Hemisphere again, that's likely going to cause, you know, uh, a dip in our prices and, you know, as they take over from us and become a cheaper store or so there's uh, it's been a pretty straight up rally. I don't expect that to continue. There's going to be it doesn't mean we're not going to end up higher than where we're at, but we haven't had a real healthy correction in this thing yet uh, in, in any of our grain uh, prices here. I mean, wheat, you could argue we have, uh, but corn and beans have been pretty straight up and, and eventually you're going to have some, some really, uh, stomach churning volatility. I'm afraid in corn and beans before it's said and done because of all these issues, right? Mm -hmm. Is China going to keep buying what's crop size in South America and Brazil? How's their weather? Um, you know, what's Russian uh, weather and, and wheat production going to be like coming into this spring? Um, a lot of these questions are going to cause uh, a lot of volatility in prices, I think, between now and uh, next spring. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about wheat for a minute. Wheat is uh, had had some very strong runs 
um, up and there's a lot of pressure on wheat as far as uh, from a planning perspective just because what we've seen happen with drought in Russia and Ukraine and in the Black Sea areas as well as um, you know like Kansas and Oklahoma there's just not much moisture that guys planted into um, and some guys are still planting their their crop because they're just not getting the moisture that they need so I guess you as you take a look at wheat um, feels like there's could be some pretty good upward mobility especially as we go through winter and start talking about winter killing those kind of things uh, yeah and we've already had a tremendous rally uh in wheat prices and the funds are long uh, somewhere just north of fifty thousand contracts uh, of wheat that means they likely uh could could add to that pretty easily um yes the, the the for the first time in many many years we're into a situation where world wheat stocks are shrinking instead of growing and demand is strong and Russia is such a huge player in this and, and that's a big unknown because the the world is waiting uh, for word on what is Russia going to do how much are they going to export of, of the crop that you know they just harvested this summer how much are they going to use internally um, again kind of talked about food security from a uh, Chinese perspective, that's very high on the priority with Russia as well. They don't want their domestic uh, wheat and flour prices to go shooting through the roof and, and pinch their citizens there. And so they're very uh, aggressive about clamping down on exports if they need that wheat internally. And so it's a little bit of a mystery right now what they're going to do um, in the world markets. Right now, they've been pretty quiet, and that's given... Uh, us and some other countries in upper hand and, and doing some business we probably wouldn't have. Um, so that, that wheat crop that's being planted or trying to be planted right now, very, very dry uh, in Russia as it has been, you know, in our central and southern plains, uh, they're not getting a whole lot of, of rain. They've had a couple little showers, but uh, it's pretty dry there. And uh, so if that continues on in, you know, through the winter and, and into next spring, that won't bode well. Uh, for their crop, and, and that could really get us fired up. But, uh, yeah, I think the stage is set there if we continue to see problems uh, either, A, in the plains, or, you know, I think probably even more importantly would be that, that Russian crop, uh, if they continue to stay on the dry side, or they don't uh, end up exporting as much as what is projected, then uh, you could easily see wheat prices uh, in the world, and then by default, our prices here follow along to the upside, but uh, it, it may not be an easy ride. If we do go higher, uh, there's probably going to be, again, a lot of back and forth, give and take. The wheat market is a, is a vicious market to begin with and puts moves in that boggle your mind and make your head spin around wondering what just happened. So we haven't seen a lot of those fun and games yet. So we're probably, uh, probably going to see that in the very near future where you wake up someday, you're like, why are we... 40 cents off the highs from two days ago and then five days later you're like wow we just sure gained that back in a hurry we're in a new highs that's kind of how the wheat market trades historically yeah all right so uh, another thing i've been paying attention to uh, i've seen several climatologists from you know like university of nebraska and and areas like and, and just a few other areas schools like that in in the in the uh, in the corn belt that have been talking about you know, drought monitors, and, and they've been following things. And I believe the 
climatologist from the University of Nebraska, and I don't remember her name off the top of my head, but she made a statement as far as, paraphrasing here, but basically if, if Nebraska gets the normal amount of, of winter moisture that they would get in a given year, they're still going to be behind um, when planting season begins in the spring. And I would say that's, you know, kind of across the board there. If you look into Iowa and Illinois, um, there, there's a similar pattern there where there's a, there's a drought um, lingering and, and it seems to be growing at the same time. So I guess as you talk to the guys you work with and some other traders and those kind of things out there, what's the sentiment as far as uh, sentiment for the overall kind of impact of, of what a drought might look like going into spring? Yeah, there's definitely going to be some hot spots, like uh, like you said. Um, Iowa is going to need more rain. They're really on the on the on the low side uh, and have been all summer. Um, it's a little early, you know, still in October right. to be worried about that. But it's certainly set up to where if we don't get much moisture, or snowfall, uh, and and you know those March April rains that uh, everyone kind of counts on, that we could be coming in on the dry side but there's a lot of time to fix that uh case in point we have been super dry here in central illinois as well in in areas had very little rain in in uh in the month of august um not a lot the last week or 10 days of july Uh, some areas then had you know seven six to seven inches of rain in the first part of september Uh, never had much since then but last week we got uh, you know recharged with three to four inches of rain here, so it can happen quickly. Um, but there are certainly a lot of world hotspots. Um, Australia has been very dry uh, for the better part of two years now, eighteen months anyway. Mm-hmm. You know the Russian dryness. Uh, Argentina and Brazil have been on the dry side. I, that interstate eighty and north area uh, have been really really dry this uh, late summer and fall. So. That's going to be uh, very closely watched. We're coming into some, uh, you know, again, um, times here where where world stocks are shrinking, demand's very good, and so that puts the bar even higher that we got to bounce back and and raise big crops to fulfill the demand. So the markets are going to be highly, highly uh, aware uh, of each forecast that comes out in the major uh, grain producing areas of the world over the next six to nine months for sure. Yep. There's a, I just, I'd look at that drought map and there, the, the areas that are <clears throat> some key growing areas are either in a drought or it's a developing drought. Very few um, places that are, that are in good shape right now headed into a, into a typical time of the year where the moisture isn't necessarily you know the biggest the biggest thing that we get but we'll have to wait and see what happens there yeah it's very definitely a wait a wait and see uh, uh approach the 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 most urgent thing or the, or the thing that's going to be here uh, front and center is uh brazil and argentina you know yeah. over the next 75 days what's uh how much more rain do they get are there any hot pockets there that uh, get hot and and miss rain uh so that will be the very first thing that the market grapples with is the, uh, the the South American growing season that uh, we're just starting into. Yep. Yeah, I just pulled up the uh, the world drought map and didn't know if such a thing existed until I googled it. But here, but 
there there's a lot of places around the globe that are in that are in a uh, significant uh, drought situation. So it's it's a uh, be interesting to see how this shakes out going through the uh, going through uh, the winter months, especially if we go into planning into a drought. That's that's another big scare. But like you said, there's a lot can happen between now and now and April. So. Yeah, that's always a double-edged sword in the spring, you know. Um, you kind of want it on the dry side, right. you know. Get get in early, get into the ground, but the moisture then has to come. So right. it's always that fine fine line that we're uh, juggling, you know, that time of year. Yep. What's that saying? Plant in the dirt? Something about plant in the dust, your bins will bust. That's it. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So as long as it keeps raining after you plant. <laughs> That's the that's the one part of the saying that that they leave out is the rain's got to come after that. So and, there, and I think there is a lot of truth to that. Mm-hmm. Um, that was part, and that's going to be the end result as we kind of die, you know, digest what uh, or rehash how this growing season went. Um, these producers in in the northern, um, say, third of the of the Corn Belt is generally that interstate eighty and north. It was a pretty wet, cold spring, and, and, and that really hurt population. So I think if you've asked most producers after the last few years, they would they would gladly go for a dry spring to get the crop in the ground and get it, uh, you know, then get some moisture to get it up and going because then you get a nice, uh, even stand. And, and we had some population problems out there that probably took, you know, very certainly the top end off of a lot of, uh, areas here on top of the dry weather in august so it uh you know the dry weather in the spring initially would could be seen as bearish but um it's it's all up to uh then if it's going to keep raining through the growing season or not yep exactly exactly well chip good stuff as usual uh folks want to reach out to you and get some more information about what it is blue reef can do for them what's the best way to do that yeah, best way is just uh, give us a call at the office. It's 309-550-7213. Uh, that's our main office in Morton. It also rings over to our cell phone uh, if we happen to be out of the office or traveling. And then, um, you know, you can always uh, check out our website. It has a lot of information on what we do and, and, and how we do it and some of the philosophy and background of what we do. That's uh, www.bluereef, R as in Robert, E-E-F as in Frank, inc.com. Right on, man. Well, I am Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you're going to find the latest episodes as they come out of the Moving Iron Podcast. Also, check out movingironllc.com for all the latest information about the, the Moving Iron Summit in Nashville, Tennessee, January 20 through the 22nd. Um, you can get all the information there, speakers and those kind of things are all be there, as well as how to register and uh, book rooms for that event. Also, check out the Global Ag Network and the great podcasters over there, like the folks at the Dryland Farmer Podcast. Uh, Brent and Land will make you guys laugh while you're in the tractor, in the combine, or just driving down the road either way. So with that, I am Casey Seymour, Chip Nellinger. Let's go move some iron, folks. Out. You'll find us here